Tango Tango Papa 2129, March 25th, 2023. Have we seen the actual reality of a monstrous crime? Or merely an illusion, the product of a tortured brain? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Wiles here with you coming to you this evening from Pleasanton, Kansas. So it's been a little bit over a month since the last podcast. Uh, uh, Right now I am uh, due home. I told him I wanted to be home by the 27th, which that is uh, Monday. Today is Saturday. I picked a load up early this morning in uh, Sherman, Texas. And uh, for some reason I had it in my head that it was McKinney, but it was ac- it was actually Sherman. Sherman's just north of McKinney. Uh, so I picked a load up in... Uh, why is that jumping? Shouldn't be jumping. <laughs> I'm looking at the screen and it stuttered a little bit. And now that I'm looking at it, it kind of stopped. So that's not a good sign whenever it stutters. Whenever the screen stutters, it means that the recording is being uh, blocked. And that usually means that there's some kind of activity going on on the computer. But that's it seems to have settled down now. So hopefully... Uh, Hopefully I don't have any kind of Windows maintenance background stuff uh, that interferes with the recording. So, in any case, I picked a load up this morning in Sherman, Texas, and the load delivers to uh, Kansas City, Kansas. Drop and hook uh, essentially any time after midnight. So I have stopped at uh, Pleasanton, Kansas. Because that's sort of, there's a kind of a little fuel stop type place here. I am, uh, according to the GPS, 73 miles from uh, the destination. And so I'm going to go ahead and uh, take a 10-hour break here. So I'll be leaving here uh, in the morning, probably, I don't know, around... uh, 4.45 to 5 a.m. and then uh, drive the rest of the way to the destination and uh, do the drop and hook. And the plan is to go home after that. They've uh, allowed me to go home uh, from... Why did it stopped again? What is going on with this computer? That's one of the hazards... That's one of the hazards of kind of not turning the computer on once a month, and then whenever I do turn it on, uh, all kinds of things are going on in the background. You know, like automatic Windows-type things. What does this say? Select here to sign into your Microsoft account. Maybe that's causing a problem. All right, let's say Fix Now. Okay. Oh, make sure it's you. What's your pin? Oh, God. 
Why did I do this? <laughs> Let's see. What is my pin from Microsoft? Oh, dear. Surely they've sent me one. Let's see. Well, hang on. Let's see. This makes for a really... Whoops. Really interesting podcast. Nope, that doesn't tell me. That doesn't tell me. And that doesn't tell me. Hmm. All right. Uh, let me pause this. I'm going to pause this recording. Hang on. Got to get this straightened out because I'm not... I don't want this thing skipping the entire time that I'm doing the recording. That drives me crazy. And I hate, you know, I hate listening to recordings on the other side where it keeps skipping. Okay, I the pin, I f figured that out. All right, so I'm going to watch the screen as I talk. See if, uh, see if this straightens out. In any case, uh, since I'm due home, uh, what I'm hoping for is uh, I'm just going to proceed, you know, as if, you know, I should be going home from Kansas City because, as I started to say, they've allowed me to do that uh, several different times. Uh, you know, that was the load that got me home. Now, there have been occasions where they'll have me pick up another load in somewhere in the Kansas City area and then take that to, like, Clarksville, Arkansas, uh, which is about, a, you know, a little over 100 miles closer because it's less than 100 miles from Clarksville to where I live, to home. So, uh, you know, we'll see, but I, I kind of get probably, I think probably what's going to happen, uh, I will get to go home from, uh, you know, once I make the drop and hook early tomorrow morning. And that, in any case, that's how I'm proceeding at this point. So, uh, you know, and then if they don't want that, then they can intervene. <laughs> and, you know, but I'm prepared for them to intervene because I'll be getting home like tomorrow instead of on the 27th, which is really no big deal because I'm going to take five days off either way and, uh, so if I get home tomorrow, then that means I'll go back to work uh, one day earlier than I would have if I got home on the on Monday. So anyway, uh, I've been kind of all over the place uh, this past, you know, the past, uh, basically the past month that I've been out. Uh, during the month of March, I was out in California, I was in... Uh, Oregon. I think I made it into Washington a little bit, Washington State. Then I was in Idaho and Wyoming a couple of three times, Utah. Uh, made it out to uh, actually Massachusetts, out to Boston. Uh, <laughs> so the only area of the country that I never really... Uh, made it to would be, would have been like Florida didn't didn't make it down there but uh, you know and I did get kind of caught in the snow a few times uh, especially in well once especially in Wyoming 
and you know and I, I don't know that's the least my least uh, the the thing that I really dislike about driving a truck is driving a truck in the, in the snow and uh, you know the winter time and then you, you know in the mountains now so what Wyoming does now they they they've done it all along but they're 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 much quicker to do it in the past few years they just close the road you know they'll close interstate 80 and of course interstate 80 is pretty pretty busy that's one of the two main corridors across the country you know you have interstate 40 is a is you know a big one and that has that carries a lot of traffic east and west and then interstate 80 is just kind of the same way so uh but they close interstate 80 and so i was uh at one point i was kind of stopped at uh little america wyoming where there's you know little america wyoming is basically a kind of a large truck stop and a hotel and a you know sort of a that type of place but it's it's a hotel and it's a truck stop and uh you know a lot of a lot of people stop there and so i was trapped there for about a day and a half because they had the the interstate closed and basically they closed the they essentially closed the whole thing down even though there it there's a part between uh rollins wyoming and cheyenne wyoming this usually the most problematic as far as uh, snow and drifting snow, drifting snow is a big problem through there. High winds, and so they, you know, they'll that they'll that causes the entire thing to get shut down because they they don't want uh, traffic, especially truck traffic, to uh, pile up all in one place. Uh, you know, they'll just kind of, cl- they call it rolling closures. So they just close the parts, of, even parts of the interstate where there's no snow and the, the road's dry. <coughs> Excuse me. They'll close the whole thing down just to prevent, uh, you know, let's say motels and giant, you know, being full and big traffic backups and what have you. You know, no place to park a bunch of, you know, hundreds of trucks. You know, they want to just, they'll just kind of stop everything where it's at. <clears throat> so that, it, you know, everything's kind of evenly distributed. So, but, and I almost got trapped in Wyoming again the other day. I was, I picked a load up in uh, Ogden, Utah. A few days ago, and then that load delivered uh, actually delivered yesterday after er, late yesterday afternoon or early yesterday evening in uh, Cleburne, Texas, which is just kind of uh, well, it's really sort of on the outskirts of the Dallas Fort Worth area, sort of the this kind of south you'd say southwestern. Uh, outskirts of the Dallas-Fort Worth area and so but uh, so I picked the load up in Ogden, Utah and then I ended up getting up very early in the morning and leaving Ogden because it was already snowing at that point it was just it was melting but it was already snowing and uh, I knew it was going to snow but I had to take the break anyway 
because I, you know, I was out of hours of service for the day. So I was able to pick the load up and then go to a truck stop and then just kind of hang out at the truck stop for the entire break. And then I got up really early in the morning, left there, and uh, was able to kind of drive in the snow. Uh, like I say, it was pretty much melting on the highway in most cases and then uh, made it all the way across Wyoming to Cheyenne and then south into Colorado you know down through Denver and etc etc and so I made it through but then I, I discovered I was kind of looking through some news articles or headlines and I discovered that yes they had uh, ended up closing Interstate 80 in Wyoming uh, maybe just a few hours after I, I passed through there, they closed it because of the typical problem between Rollins and uh, and uh, Laramie. <laughs> so I'm glad I went ahead and just, you know, went ahead and got I woke up and I got up and I thought, I'm going to go ahead and just go see what happens. You know, because at worst, I would have been, you know, I'd had to stop somewhere and, uh, you know, and I'd just been trapped. But had I waited until later in the morning, uh, once daylight got there, I would, it, you know, it would have been shut down and I would have just been probably parked for a day and a half. So, I didn't want that. So, uh, you know, and then, I don't know, prior to that, I was out in California uh, and it was snowing. Uh, and this this goes back a couple a couple three weeks ago. I was out in California, on Interstate Five in Northern California, and uh, they had uh, the chain laws in effect. And so I had to, you know, I started installing the chains, and uh, got the chains. I was almost completely had the chains installed. And I'll be darned if they didn't. Then they they'd cleaned the road, and then they just lifted the the chain. You know, the chain thing went away, and uh, you know the chain roadblock went away, and uh, that was the end of that. And so I had to take the chains back off, and uh, you know, no problem. <laughs> I was able to go on. So that that you know I, you know that's kind of irritating. I, you know, and I don't like dealing with chains. I, you know, and I haven't. You know, this winter has been the only time in years since I've actually had to mess with chains. You know, now it's, you know, it's happened a couple of times. So, you know, I, yeah. So anyway, but most of the time I enjoy driving the truck, and uh, you know, I do think I'm going to go ahead and continue keep. I think the way to proceed for me is to continue to, to uh, keep working probably is you know indefinitely into the future you know and this is probably the this let's be honest this is probably this is the best job I'm ever going to have as far as driving a truck goes over the road uh, you know it's probably the most secure job simply you know the you know because it's at random so if we let's say we lose a customer then as we do sometimes uh you know customers kind of come and go 
And so, you know, usually the big customers are the ones that are stable, but smaller, there are smaller ones that uh, do kind of come and go. And, uh, you know, and then there's always one-offs, one-off type loads that end up doing. And so everything's sort of at random. And since I haul uh, lots of food because of the, re- the refrigerated trailer, you know, that and, and then the other, you know, people have to eat. You know, they're forced to eat. You know, it's, eating is not optional. So uh, that's pretty secure because there's, there's going to be food that gets hauled regardless. And because uh, that's, that's probably the number one thing that people are going to buy if they, you know, they, they maybe not be able to afford anything else, but they'll figure out some way to eat. So the food has to go kind of get go through. And then the other thing is that this, this company that I work for, you know, is, there's no such thing as perfect trucking company, but there's really bad ones. And this, is, this one's a really good one. And they are, they, you know, at least they claim to be uh, the entire time I've, you know, I've worked for them now for 18 years, and they've claimed the entire time that they're a debt-free company, and I have no reason to doubt them. So that's, that's also a very handy, uh, you know, thing to, to have, you know, an advantage to have is to be debt-free, or at least you know in a position even whether you're a company or you're an individual be in the position if you do have debt then you need to be in a position where you can pay it off at any point you know any point you want to you can simply pay it off uh you know so that you know that's the position to be in so uh you know and then because so-called highly leveraged you know, which is a kind of a nice way of saying, you know, a nicer way of saying, uh, or a more pleasant way of saying that someone's in debt or a company's in debt. If the revenue, whether you're an individual or a company, if the revenue drops off and you can't, then you can no longer so-called service your debt or pay your pay your uh, pay your debt each month. Then you're in big trouble. So that's, you don't want to be in that position. You want to get yourself out of that, you know, don't put yourself in a position like that. You know, because it's, and even if you can pay your debt, uh, you know, because I've been in debt, you know, plenty of times before. And I just relied on the fact that I had a job and I was able to keep, you know, and I always made a point of paying my bills on time, absolutely. Uh, and you know, and it always worked out. But uh, you're really better off if you're in a position where you, like I say, you're either completely debt-free, or if you do have debt, have enough money set aside that you can simply pay it off if you need to. You know, and then you know, it's it's amazing. Uh, you know, you got got a lot better peace of mind that way. So. Anyway, I've got a couple of uh, Voxer files from Joel that I'm going to play here a little bit later. And I've made myself a few little notes. Let's see if it'll pop up here. One of the things, I was listening to this podcast, and they were talking about so-called fifth-generation warfare. 
I don't know. I don't think too many people have heard of that term. But I'm gonna. This is there, there's a little thing here that's it's from Wikipedia, and uh, I'm gonna read this as a small paragraph. Uh, fifth generation warfare is conducted primarily through non-kinetic, which means you know non you know non-combat. Excuse me, uh, non non-kinetic military action such as social engineering, misinformation, cyber attacks, along with emerging technologies such as artificial intelligence and fully autonomous systems. Fifth-generation warfare has been described by Daniel Abbott as a war of information and perception. And then uh, there's this other globalcovidsummit.org. Let's see, what is fifth-generation warfare? The deliberate, or the deliberate manipulation of an observer's context in order to achieve a desired outcome. The basic idea behind this term, fifth-generation warfare, is that the, in the modern era, war, era, wars are not fought by armies or guerrillas, but in the minds of common citizens. So in other words, you screw around with people's perceptions. Now, what makes you vulnerable to having your, your perception screwed with? There's one thing, and you've, you've heard me, if you've listened to me any length of time, you should know what I'm going to say. The one thing, the, your big Achilles heel, you know, you may think you've got common sense and you're intelligent and blah, 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 blah. But there's this one thing, and it doesn't matter how intelligent you are or how much common sense you think you have, there's this one thing that is uh, your Achilles heel. And of course, that's resentment. If you have resentment, most people do. You know, let's be honest. Most people do. You know, and it, it usually it, it uh, they have it. You know, it comes from childhood. Simply growing up. You know, being in this world. You know, and you generally speaking, it starts with parents because parents aren't perfect. Kids resent their parents. Parents failed them somehow. They're not perfect, but if kid, little kids come into the world, expect, you know, they sort of look at parents as if they're gods, and they expect, they sort of have an expectation that the parents are, are going to be perfect, and of course, then they're testing the parents. But if you think about it, uh, we sort of know, or we, we kind of have this built-in blueprint of what a perfect parent should be. And little kids have this blueprint that's sort of built into them, you know, these, and it kind of creates expectations of how the parents should behave, and then the parents don't behave that, they don't fit the blueprint. You know, uh, the parents fail them, and then they resent the parents, and then 
that ends, you know, and then they go to school and what have you, and then they, you know, they, they resent the, the school and they resent the teachers and they resent the fact they have to be in school and they resent this and they resent that. And as people go through their, proceed through their lives, it simply uh, escalates. But the, the trouble with resentment is that it comes packaged with its own denial mechanisms. So you may not think that you hate your parents. You don't, you know, I don't, don't hate my parents. You probably do. You know, there's about a 99.9999999999% chance that you do, and you're just, and if you, you don't think that you do, you're fooling yourself. And it's worth, worth, uh, thinking about the fact that you're, you know, considering, seriously considering the fact that you're fooling yourself. If you think you don't hate your parents, that your parents didn't fail you in some way, and uh, it's worth seriously considering that what I'm saying is worth examining, you know, it's worth some self-examination. <clears throat> Were your parents ever able to irritate you? If they were, that's evidence of resentment towards them. You know, and so the thing about it, it, you know, you need to become, be as objective, become as objective as you possibly can. And the interesting thing about, you know, resentment is if you can actually see it, you, you know, and learn not to, you know, kind of have the, the resentment reaction, then you can, you can kind of overcome it. You know, if, again, if you've listened to me any length of time, you've heard me give this example, and it's worth repeating. Let's say that uh, you and I agree, you know, we're going to do this experiment. And so I, you, you agree to allow me to slap you in the face. And so I slap you in the face and you feel the pain of it, you, but you don't, you know, you just kind of feel the pain of it, but you kind of knew it was coming. But then, let's say that I just come up to you without uh, warning, or someone comes up to you without warning and slaps you in the face. Well, you're going to feel the, pain, the physical pain of it, but there's something else that goes along with it, that, you know, that reaction. And that, whatever that reaction is, that's resentment. You know, and the best description I've ever been able to come up with it myself is, uh, you know, it's kind of almost like I think of it as a lightning bolt. As if you were God, you know, kind of in your, in your mind, in the center of your mind, as if you're God hurling mental thunderbolts, as if the, the mental thunderbolts could strike people and places and things dead. It's usually people, but it can be places and things as well that you resent. You know, did you ever have that, whatever, the, you know, you can almost think of it as an electrical charge. Did you ever have that towards your parents? Probably you did probably when you were a little kid, and it probably got reinforced.
and it gets to the point, uh, you know, when you're an adult, it can be everything. You know, any little thing can, can you know, you can stub your toe and uh, get the resentment reaction all over again. Trip over the cat. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. The list is endless. Once you resent, you've got two wrong choices. You either go along to get along or you try to rebel and do the opposite. Either way, you are not the same. You don't have the same identity that you had or potential identity that you had uh, prior to resenting. Resentment separates you from who you could have been. It separates you from your God-given identity or your original identity. You know, so resentment, and then, but once you resent, then and you, you know, and like I say, it comes packaged with denial mechanisms. You'll find other people that'll that'll agree with you. That you know, the resentment is a good thing. You'll either pretend like the resentment doesn't exist, or you can't see it yourself, or the other choice is to be proud of it. I mean, you have you know a pride march. You know, like the the labor people are pissed off because they have to work, and they resent the they resent the fact that they have to work. They weren't born weren't born rich. They're sort of shaking their fist at God. Why did you uh, make me be born into a poor family? I have to work, and so then they have their pride marches, labor pride. You know, and you can fill in the blank. You know, <laughs> there's abortion pride. Pride in killing your baby, etc., etc. Is it's endless. Proud of your resentment and what resentment has kind of turned you into, because you do end up with kind of an identity out of it if it goes far enough. Entire groups of people form. With the on the basis of resentment, you know, and we use labor again, you know, and they've got their own language, you know. Oftentimes, language goes goes along with the group uh, group identity that's that's got resentment at the base base of it. But once you're separated from who you could have been. You got a problem. You got because your conscience is there, reminding you that blue. You can think of that as the blueprint is is still there, reminding you, hey, you're wrong. Hey, you're wrong. You're doing something wrong. You're making yourself worse. And so, what do you do? You find other people that will agree with you that wrong is right and right is wrong. So let's, you know, let's pick on the abortion people. Let's say you're a woman and you've had an abortion. And right afterwards, you you begin to realize, oh my God, I killed my baby, killed my child, killed my own offspring. I've paid someone to murder it. 
so what do you do? You can resent the fact that you did it, resent the doctor for, uh, you know, for providing the service or resent the society for allowing it or resent whoever it was that talked, you know, that was kind of encouraging you. And of course, then you resentment leads if it resentment, if it doesn't have anywhere to go, it leads to depression. Resentment is simply, uh, you know, depression is simply resentment that doesn't have anywhere to go. And it comes back on the person that's doing the resenting. And of course, that's hell. Varying levels of uh, hell, you can think of depression as sort of like varying levels of hell. So you've had an abortion. The other choice is to just allow your conscience to catch you, allow that blueprint to catch up with you. And then realize this is, oh my God, this is what I did wrong. Look what I've done. But don't resent. That's the big mistake people make is when they resent their conscience or they resent, you think of it, resent the blueprint. If you don't want to use the word conscience. That's really God. You know, I believe that that's really God talking to us. God talks to us individually through uh, conscience. So it's a huge mistake to resent that. Just allow it to catch up with you. Make, you know, the idea is to make friends with your conscience. You know, and once you've made friends with it, you really won't do anything to, to violate or you know to uh, violate that uh, relationship. Once you've made friends with your conscience, then life kind of becomes pretty you know it's not perfect and you know you're still going to make mistakes, but uh, once you've made friends with your conscience, it's, uh, life is you know kind of becomes a breeze by comparison. So you've, you've, you've uh, had an abortion. So then you find, you know, if you, so, you know, the typical person, you know, is probably going to resent and, uh, you know, maybe de be depressed and then they'll maybe find other people little help them under, you know, believe that wrong is right and right is wrong. And they really did a noble thing by murdering their child, murdering their own offspring. You know, and then maybe some of them end up uh, having multiple abortions because one's not, one's not enough, you need more. Some of them will get involved in the pride thing and then encouraging other people to do it. Because that's the other thing, people, you know, so let's say someone's a druggie, you know, and then they'll, you know, they'll encourage other, you know, other people to, because uh, that's the next level is to, to if you want to progress uh, as, a as, as a druggie, as a drug user, then the next level is to become a pusher. You know, and, and you know, sort of encourage other people's downfall. 
with the idea that if you can, uh, you know, there's safety in numbers, the more, you know, and everybody should be a druggie, just like you. Or everybody should have an abortion. Although it's only women that can have abortions. With the idea that, well, if everybody does it, then it's okay. But it's not because that blueprint is always there. And the blueprint, or the conscience, is built into us because we, as human beings, have uh, this spiritual side. Whether you want to believe that or not, it's there. But resentment makes you suggestible. It increases your suggestibility. And you and then of course lots the last thing you want to believe is that you're suggestible. Last it's very difficult to admit that you acted someone else tricked you into, you know, kind of got you to uh, do something that was really that you didn't that you wouldn't have done otherwise. And that's really what this fifth, so-called fifth-generation warfare, that's really what we're talking about because people, the average person's full of resentment, and so then it just be, becomes very easy to begin to manipulate them. Screw with their perceptions. And, you know, and, and people, like I say, people have a hell of a hard time admitting that someone... Uh, you know, if they believe something, if they actually believe something, then you can present them with the evidence that, you know, that, that whatever they believed in was wrong and they'll, it doesn't matter. The evidence doesn't matter. And we see examples of that everywhere. <coughs> Excuse me. Where ev evidence simply doesn't matter. Because they, you know, but at the root of that, is the fact that they can't uh, they cannot let go of the belief because that would mean ultimately that they would have to face that conscience they'd have to face that blueprint that we all you know we all carry around whether you want to believe that or not you really do if you think about it you know, you know the difference between right and wrong. It's, you know, you even find a criminal. They know the difference between right and wrong. You know, but the best thing you can do, if you want to become a so-called fifth-generation warrior, get rid of your own damn resentment. That really is the only, you know, the only uh, thing that you can do that's, that's uh, really effective is get rid of your own resentment. Then you can look at the world. You can kind of, then you can kind of tell what's right and what is wrong. You're in a far better position. How do you, you know, epistemology. How do you know what you know? It's because if some, you know, some quote-unquote expert told you 
that's the wrong answer. Because they lie. Oftentimes they'll, but they also tell the truth. So how do you know? There's this built-in, you've got a built-in knowing of right and wrong if you're not separated from it via resentment. And if you can't see that, uh, you know, I can say this, if you can't see that there is this built-in knowing of, of right and wrong, you are already separated. If you think that, uh, you know, that we're just animals and, uh, you know, we're just intel human beings are just intelligent animals and, you know, we're, uh, we just respond to the stimuli or whatever and that's all there is, good luck, you're going to need it. Because in a sense, that's true. If you're, separ if you're separated from who you could have, your original God-given identity, if you're separated from that original identity via resentment, then essentially you are an animal that responds to stimulus. And you'll respond to, you know, all these uh, m manipulations of your perception. So both things can be true. It's possible that you could, be, you know, kind of have your own internal uh, knowing of right and wrong. If you get rid of resentment, you know, you can have that. You can kind of go through the world, and it's, you know, life is kind of a breeze. Or you carry the resentment around with you, and uh, you got your all your your the baggage that goes with it. And you make your, you're essentially making yourself into an animal that uh, just responds to stimuli, stimuli that can be easily manipulated. You're just a rat in a maze. You know, and you got the like the WEF types that uh, probably are. You know, and I'm sorry, I'm going to be graphic. They're probably masturbating. And I'm saying that they're probably literally masturbating and kind of getting off on screwing you up, screwing up the society as much as possible. I think there's a, there's a sexual attract. There's something sexual going on with that. I really believe that. I think that they're... The more that they can manipulate and tear down and, uh, you know, screw people over, screw society, you know, make society as dysfunctional as possible, they're masturbating to that. That's pornography for them. And I really do believe that. So, anyway, let's, <laughs> on that light note. Let's see what else I've uh, so I made myself some other notes if I can get that to come up here. What do we have? Let's see. Oh, I heard this thing and this, this, is, this described wokeism perfectly. Wokeism pretends to fight injustice by creating injustice. You should write that down. Wokeism pretends to fight injustice by creating injustice. And it, that nails it.
So, let's see. Excuse me. <laughs> kind of looking through these. Yeah, so... Anyway, I think that's all of the, the you know, because I made myself a bunch of notes, but at this point, I don't, you know, that was the one thing that I wanted to talk about. So I think we'll go ahead and uh, jump into uh, Joel's comment. Now, I've listened to the first one, and what he's talking about is uh, kind of making a recording of his grandfather. And uh, he had sent me a link to the recording, but I can't get the link to pop up. So, any in any case, here is Joel. Hey, Tom. Haven't listened to your show just yet. But I thought I'd send you a boxer. Uh, mostly because I got an interesting uh, thing today from Amazon. Um, my grandpa in the 80s, he had recorded a lot of uh, stuff uh, on his tape recorder. That's one of the things he he had his tape recorder and his Polaroid SX-70 camera that he absolutely loved and carried with him pretty much everywhere in the car. And um, I managed to find uh, and had handed down to me about three or four, no, three tapes, three tapes, all right. One of them was recorded about 1983-ish, I think. Um, and they were driving uh, near uh, Washington, Washington State. Um, and they were doing this trip. And they, my grandpa had a goal. He wanted to do after he retired. He wanted to drive and visit every uh, one of the 48 states. Something you probably already accomplished, but he was uh, a special guy, of course, to me. Uh, but he served in World War II uh, in the, uh, as a radio radio officer for the field artillery unit, uh, and I believe he served in. Germany, if I remember right. Uh, but it was just really cool listening to these tapes. I'm, I'm actually, what I'm talking about is these tapes I have, I didn't really have anything played in, and I also wanted to offload them before they utterly disintegrated. And the first tape, actually, a good half of it was pretty much disintegrated. You know, it, it played fine, but the audio quality was just really bad. Uh, but um, that was the, the trip tape. And the other tape he had was of myself and my brother. Uh, I was playing my saxophone because it was my first year learning how to play the saxophone when I was in school. Probably 81, 82, somewhere around there. Uh, I was in fourth or fifth grade. I can't remember which grade. Um, so, and then my brother was playing the recorder. That was actually, probably was fifth grade, now I'm thinking about it, because fourth grade was uh, recorders for me, I think. I can't 
remember. <laughs> but it was uh, just a, such an interesting listening to these recordings that are probably close to 40 years old. So um, what I will do, um, I'll see if I can send you a, just a little piece of it. Um, uh, and it might come from the tape I just finished listening to. Um, I'll record maybe uh, um, some of the background. Uh, uh, he was watching an episode of MASH. He probably couldn't play that. But I'll see if I can't find a little piece of the recording that really sets the time period. Because uh, uh, it was uh, just an interesting listen tonight. Uh, on the, the last tape I just listened to, I'm actually looking at the back side of the trip tape right now. Um, and that one, I'm just uh, offloading the whole thing, and I'll probably go skim through Audacity and see see if there's any parts of it that I need to keep. Um, but um, it is just really cool. Besides hearing the, the voices of both my, my grandmother and my mom, because my mom was on the one where we were recording myself playing the saxophone, um, they uh, just hearing their voices is, yeah, and now they're gone, you know, just kind of made me think about that. Maybe I should start maybe uh, recording, like, a little segment. Um, I should probably try and record at least maybe once a week uh, and then either upload to YouTube or something and then let my wife or somebody know about it for when I pass so that... Uh, and uh, my son can see that after my time on this planet's gone. But uh, I just really enjoy listening to that. Um, they, I'll send you a link to the uh, USB cassette thing I got. It was kind of cool because it was uh, all powered from uh, the USB port. Um, and it sounded you know, pretty decent. You know, all things was standing uh, with the cassette. But I'll see if I can't find you a piece of audio that you can play, and uh, I'll send you a link to that, too. Um, I want to... The one was... <laughs> the one with me playing playing my sax was pretty uh, long, about 20 minutes or so, you know. Uh, so I don't think you'd want to play that during the show. But I'll see if I can't find uh, some audio in there somewhere that uh, I can send you. And... Uh, just because it's it's an interesting time capsule into my grandfather's life. Uh, he's been gone since 1996. He retired from uh, Milton Hershey School, I think, in 79 or 80, somewhere around there. Because uh, I know he's in the least, uh, he's in two different, rented two different houses after he had retired from. Uh, the Milton Hershey School. And by the way, this is a school that owns Hershey Chocolate, by the way. Yes, that's that's the truth there. They actually own the whole entire company. Um, but, uh, and uh, it, it's just, it's really nice to be able to finally save this audio off. I know a lot of it is not good quality because it was cassette tape from the 80s. 
So it's about 40 years old. So I'll send you a link, and uh, hopefully uh, you can play that. It'd be interesting. Okay, I'm going to put a link here below uh, to a shorter file. <laughs> these files I recorded from these tapes are about 20, 30 minutes long. Um, I had uh, three, it said 90-minute tapes, but I don't think you recorded in the 90-minute mode. But, uh, uh, excuse me. Uh, one of these is, uh, the one I'm going to share with you is just a little bit of my grandpa sharing, or, well, not sharing, just recording updates on his day. I don't know why he did that, but I'm glad he did. Because uh, it really uh, gives you kind of a a uh, uh, what was it they call a time capsule of what life was like back then for my grandfather, who was at this point in his life he was retired. So I'm thinking this is probably it's definitely the 80s because they retired uh, just before, like at that right at the beginning of the 80s. Uh, probably closer to 88, 89. Um, the, the, uh, clip before this one, which I won't share with you, uh, was uh, a phone call that he had recorded between, uh, him and my grandmother and, uh, my aunt Deb, who's, uh, the only one in that recording is, who's still alive is my aunt Deb, and she's in her 60s now, so, um, but, uh, she was pregnant with uh, my uh, cousin, Zachary, Zachary Casey, who's now married and has a child himself. So um, I wish I could share that one because it was an interesting phone call, but uh, I'd rather not one. That one's kind of, uh, I wouldn't say personal, but it's just, uh, you know, I don't know how, how my aunt would like it being played in the podcast. This one only has my grandpa, so uh, you're free to play it during the show or not. But at the very least, you can hear uh, the quality of this thing. And um, I had originally went through Audacity and cut back uh, some of the tape noise, but it ended up drowning out my grandmother. So this is essentially unedited. It just clipped out. Okay, well, thank you, Joel. I, pl- I went ahead and played both of uh, Joel's files there. Uh, I tried again here on the computer because, you know, on my phone I've got Voxer and that's where I'd initially tried to click on that link that uh, Joel sent. It was a Google Drive link. And it's telling me that I'm, you know, it shows my login to Google Drive and it tells me access denied. So I'd have to be logged in as Joel, apparently. Apparently. Now, what may have happened, he may have shared it for a certain length of time, and then that length of time might have expired. That's possible, too. But I tried here again on the computer. You know, I log in. Here on the computer, I log in. I actually log in to Voxer, the Voxer website, and that's how, you know, and then I download Joel's files, it, you know, and they download his MP3 files, and then, of course, the so it works in the browser pretty much the same way that it works on the app on the phone Voxer does and it uh, so I clicked on the link and I got the same access denied message so uh, 
Joel, if you want to send that again, uh, go ahead. Maybe you can, you know, if it's under 25 megabytes, you could probably email it. And then just kind of let me know that you emailed it. Uh, and if you send it in Google Drive, I'll try to uh, get to it sooner. If it, you know, just in case it was... Uh, the, the sharing window was uh, limited and I just didn't get to it soon enough. But, uh, you know, otherwise, uh, I don't know. There there have been people that, uh, you know, kind of used, to, that I've heard of that would use recorders. I think it's fairly rare for people to do that, but they would just kind of talk into the recorder and, you know, just for their own... Uh, reasons, you know, like updates on their days or whatever. Uh, it's much easier to do that if you're having a conversation with someone, you know, obviously. Uh, you know, in a sense, this podcast is sort of like that. You know, so it's, it's possible that if podcasting was around when your, you know, your grandfather was around, uh, that he would have uh, <laughs> he would have been podcasting possibly so but it is useful to you know there's there's two ways that we can we like to th- believe that we can we sort of think in our in our heads but actually you, you, uh, thinking uh, you sort of you can think out loud or you can think with writing if you're you're serious about writing something let's say it's a, you're actually writing something or, or, or if let's say you're keeping a diary which I actually do uh, I've done that for years uh, kept a diary and you know I don't write in it every day at one time it was like a you know I wrote you know kind of in notebooks and uh, I don't know I actually threw all of those out because <laughs> I did that for years like you know and I had this you know like a giant pile of you know and I had them all categorized and everything and dated and what have you and I at one point I decided I'm just going to get rid of all this stuff and I kind of stopped kind of stopped for <clears throat> quite a number of years stopped doing that and then I don't know a number of years ago I decided I'm gonna that you know it was really useful to write uh, you know it's just for my eyes only but it it was really useful because you know I realized that uh, it you know it either writing you know and uh, you know writing itself kind of really helps you clarify your thoughts as well as what I'm doing right now sort of talking and a lot of times you know like I'm just earlier when I was talking about the uh, fifth generation warfare and especially the resentment part uh, I was completely thinking out loud and that's very useful so those are the two ways that we really think, either verbally or with the written word. You know, and you can also, it's interesting, you can also think of uh, that 
both of those things is a form of prayer. Now, you, you know, people think, oh, you get down on your knees in church or whatever. You know, or you're, you're praying or you bow your head or whatever. You know, and that's all well and good. I'm not making fun of that. But uh, what's the difference between that and everyday talking? Or what's the difference between that and uh, writing? You know, because you're... In a very real sense, there's always this give and take that's going on within our own minds. Our conscious conscience, or you can think of it as the blueprint, but our, our conscience is the thing that we're actually, as conscious creatures, that is the thing that we're most intimately familiar with. Whatever conscience, whatever consciousness is, and it's it's a very difficult thing to define. If you you really try to nail it down, at the, you know it, it's really difficult to define. And you know what is it? And at the same time, we're intimately familiar with it. So, you know, I can see where, you know, like if someone, you know, let's say they, they did the record, you know, made, like your grandfather made a bunch of recordings. Uh, that would have been, you know, he got something uh, really concrete out of it. I'm sure of it. Because he was, you know, he may have been recording the family and doing this and doing that, but he was also talking, obviously he was kind of maybe talking to him, you know, kind of talking to himself. Into the recorder. Making updates. So, you know, he would have gotten, uh, you know, something very useful out of that. Now, kind of in the same way that I've, I've, probably you know I don't know how many people have benefited from this podcast that I do but I know one person that's probably benefited the most and that's me that's why I've continued to do it I found it you know very useful as far as clear being able to clarify my own thoughts so but anyway if you want to go ahead and send that again uh you know, go ahead and send it again, and I'll I'll definitely play it. But uh, right now, I just uh, as, you know, kind of me logged in uh, as myself into Google Drive. Uh, it's just not popping up. So, but it probably if it's un like I said, if it's under 25 megabytes, you should be able to uh, send it through Gmail. That reminds me, I was kind of messing around with this, you know, my phone. This phone that I have, this S23 Ultra, the main camera on the back is actually capable of 200 megapixels. You know, which, that's kind of a ridiculous amount of megapixels. Now, by default, the default setting was... Uh, 12 megapixels, which is, you know, 12 megapixels actually produces some pretty nice pictures, great images. 
but 200 megapixels <laughs> is huge. You know, so those those files end up being like 39 to 40 megabytes in size as JPEGs. And they're, you know, and they're very detailed, so you can, you know, you can, I, I've experimented just briefly with it, and you can really zoom in and, uh, you know, it captures an amazing amount of detail. I was, I was looking at one earlier here on the, that I took uh, when I was in, the other evening when I was in Ogden, Utah, while it was still daylight, I just didn't zoom in or anything, I just snapped a picture at the 200 megabyte setting, or 200 uh, gig, uh, megapixel setting. And, you know, and it's amazing because I was able to, you know, off in the distance in the parking lot, there was this, you know, there was a, like a pickup park there. And I was actually able here on the computer to zoom in to this pickup off in the distance and read the guy's license plate on the front of the truck. Yeah, I could even make out that it was a Utah plate. <laughs> so that that's pretty amazing. Uh, but it's it's just it never ceases to amaze me what they've been able to do with these uh, cell phone cameras. Because you know, whenever the v very first phone that I had that had a camera, it was like 640 by 480 resolution, if it was even that much. And those, it may have been even smaller than that as far as resolution goes. And, and they were really kind of crappy images. You know, and I thought the lens has to be the, and for a long time I thought, you know, the lens has to be the limiting factor, but apparently not. Because the, the, the phone cameras have gotten really good, especially in the higher end phones. It's just amazing. So, anyhow, I think I'm going to bring this to a close. Uh, like I say, hopefully I'll be getting home uh, sometime tomorrow. If everything goes right. And, but otherwise, it'll probably be Monday. And this time while I'm home, I do have another uh, dental cleaning appointment. I did, uh, I said, let's see, when I did have a, you know, I don't know if I had this, uh, now I'm trying to remember when it was, but I had a root canal that I had to get done. And uh, I was home, I limited it, I deliberately limited it. I was home for like two days. And I had had a root canal done. Uh, this was about a month ago, roughly, because I, you know, I had this tooth that uh, it was a lower molar on the left side, my left side, and I don't know how it how the root became infected because it it wasn't from the gums, so I, and so I don't know how that works, but uh, you know somehow it became infected and. Uh, you know, and I had an abscess, and so, you know, but they ended up, <clears throat> ended up putting me on an antibiotic and then the, the root canal, and uh, 
that kind of, uh, you know, seemed to have worked okay. The tooth, it's, I don't know, the tooth is still, there's still a little sensitivity with it a month later. You know, I can chew with it fine because it's a lower molar. And I can put, you know, lots of pressure on it as far as vertical pressure. But uh, if I wiggle it side to side, there's just a little bit of sensitivity. And I don't know if that should be there or not. So I'm going to be discussing that with my dentist. And, you know, he'll, they probably will take another... uh, x-ray of it and kind of look it over to make sure that there's no uh, remaining issue with it. There may just be some sensitivity and maybe the sensitivity will eventually... It's not much. It's just a little bit. And it, you know, it's... So I don't know. But we'll have to see what the dentist has to say about it. So, but I do have that uh, to do while I'm home this time. And I've got to uh, kind of do my... I've already kind of done my taxes, but I, I need to package them up and uh, get them ready to be sent off. So uh, probably go ahead and send them off uh, before, you know, because the deadline's April the 15th. And of course... Normally, I would have already had them, you know, I I sent the state off. I already did that. But I'll send the federal, uh, you know, and I've delayed it a little bit because I've got to pay. (laughs) So, but that's no big deal. I'll uh, probably go ahead and just send that off uh, while I'm home and just you know, kind of get it out of the way and then, I, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And it'll be it'll be paid and then I, you know, thing will be sent off and that'll be that. So I, that's another thing that I have to do. And then, uh, but otherwise I'll be, you know, kind of planning on taking the five days off and uh, just kind of do all of the other things that I do, you know, e- you know, eating out with uh, various friends and socializing and what have you. That's that. That makes up the bulk of the rest of it. But uh, I don't know. I I was thinking about this. I I do really need to continue working. Probably as long as I can because you know the the parts the you know the slices and of course work is the biggest slice. It's a giant slice. Uh, but uh, the other slices, you know, the, you know, hanging out with friends and what have you, friends and relatives, those slices are just as important. But I don't think that uh, it would be useful or advisable for me to think that... Uh, you know, if well, I'll just quit my job and just uh, do, you know, just try to live on uh, or sort of exist with uh, just the, the other slices. You know, just be at home all the time and socialize and maybe try to do some hobby or something. And that's, excuse me, that's really not enough for me. Now, maybe for some people it is. 
for my parents, apparently it has been. They've been, both of them have been retired now for a couple of decades. And I just don't see myself being able to uh, have a really meaningful existence without a job, without doing something that's actually productive. Like I say, the, the social parts are just as they're important don't get me wrong they're very important it's very important to social you know to have friends and family and uh, all of those things but uh, for me uh, I really need to be doing something productive now at some point you know there's a good possibility that I'll end up having to face that and I, you know, at that point, I'll, I'm confident I'll be able to cross that bridge whenever I come, if, if and when I come to it. But in the meantime, I really, you know, there's really no reason in the world why I shouldn't continue to work. You know, the, and, you know, like I was saying before, this is, this is the best job that I'll ever have. So the idea, well, I'll... I'll get a job where I'm home more often. Well, I could probably do, maybe do that, but uh, that's probably fraught with all kinds of issues or problems. So I think probably it would be better if I maybe I was forced to do that. It would be a different story or the, you know, right type of thing. You know, the... Uh, you know, the, when the time comes, the way I look at it, when the time comes, I'll know what to do, and then I'll simply be able to do it. And that's usually, that's how I try to live my life, and it, it uh, generally speaking, it works pretty well. You know, what if the, I simply know what to do whenever the time comes. And uh, that tends to work pretty smoothly you know and that, that's been going on now for uh, you know a good couple of decades where I just kind of play things by ear and I sort of know what to do whenever the time comes and I do it and things work out great so but I really don't believe I'm ready to just you know, stop working at this point, even though I easily could. So, anyhow, hope everyone uh, has had a great week. Hope you're having a great weekend, and I will catch you later. Remember, Trucker Tom is like Visa. He's everywhere you want to be. Product reviews, restaurant reviews, photos, opinions, and more. Visit Trucker Tom's website at www.truckerphoto.com. You've been listening to Trucker Tom's podcast, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. All you have to do is send us an email to tom at truckerphoto.com. <laughs>